We're in a, a, a series uh, here for June and July that is called Blessed. And uh, this series is, is about going through the Beatitudes. Now, some of you are familiar with the Beatitudes, some of you are not. The word Beatitude is a Latin word that, uh, that we created uh, to help us uh, kind of name what this selection of, the teaching, of Jesus' teachings are. So the Beatitudes is a Latin word which means supremely blessed. And so the Beatitudes are a series of teachings that Jesus does uh, in the very beginning of his ministry. He's starting off his ministry with these teachings. And I want you to just remember that the very first command that Jesus gave us, the very first command, he's like, do this. His very first command was repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Change. So we often think of repenting as asking God for forgiveness. When Jesus said repent, he said change the way you're thinking. Change the way you see the world. Turn around. Flip it upside down. You've got it wrong. Change. Repent. See, because the kingdom of God is actually near. It's not far off in the distance. It's not something that maybe when you get to heaven that you'll experience. No, the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. So change the way that you're seeing the world because you're about to get your mind blown. <laughs> it's kind of what he's getting at here. And then he goes into his teachings about what the kingdom of God is. That's how he starts off. And he goes through these, this series of blessings uh, captured by Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Luke captured those teachings as well, uh, a slightly different version. Perhaps it was because Luke uh, heard it slightly different, or maybe it was two different times that Jesus taught through the Beatitudes, the blessings. Uh, maybe it was just the way that they wanted to explain it to their readers. Because, you know, Matthew, uh, he, he wrote to Jewish audience. Luke wrote to primarily an, a, a Gentile audience. They were very different kind of people. Gentiles were people who were not Jewish. And so, you know, the reason that they're so different is varied uh, and mixed, but they capture the same essence of what the kingdom really is all about. You see, when we set God aside, if God didn't really exist, Jesus wasn't real, we would have just us, and we got to figure this world out on our own. And if it was up to us, as we have seen, those who are blessed, we see that they're the ones who have all the money, the ones who are blessed have all the power, the ones who are blessed have all the, the good things in this world. Okay, we would, and there's maybe other ways. Maybe you would come up with a different definition of what blessed is. Whatever that definition is, Jesus is saying, change that. Turn it all around. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is. Let me explain to you who really is blessed in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are you who mourn. When you see the evil in the world and you're grieving, you are the ones who are blessed. And now today... We're going to look at, blessed are you who are meek. We're going to explore, what does that mean? 
Okay, so uh, before we get into this passage, uh, I just want to highlight that the, the, the world that Jesus was teaching in, living in, isn't necessarily all that different from the world we have today. Very similar. They had all sorts of racial tension between different ethnic groups. They had all sorts of political tension between different ideologies of how things should be run. They had all sorts of, of conflict between classes and uh, different uh, types of people in different wealth categories, the rich and the poor. I mean, it's really not all that different from us today. And there are some other similarities, too, that we're going to explore. Reflect on the last few years, all the racial tension that we have seen in our country, right? What do you do about it? There's different experiences, different ideas of what to do and how to solve this tension. All the political tension that we've experienced, different ideas of how to solve problems and, and, and build our nation. Some people use violence to express themselves or to try to get their, their way. And others choose silence and they just remain quiet. Don't say anything at all. Those who are uh, promoting violence tend to look upon these people as weak. Uh, perhaps uh, they're, they're sheep, you know, they're, they, they're, they're not strong enough in their convictions and they're just going along with it. These people will look at those people and say, you're just, uh, you know, you're, it's evil, it's violent, and, it, and, it, and it's not helping. It actually creates more. So what do we do? How do we figure this out? There's tension. Jesus, thankfully, gives us guidance. He gives us guidance in this world. And so that's what we're looking at through this passage, Matthew chapter 5. So let's explore it together, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. If you uh, have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to this passage. Uh, grab a pew Bible in front of you, if you want, and turn to page 1377. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. But uh, we're going to look specifically at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. In this verse, in this particular Beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. When Jesus is teaching the people this, path, uh, th this teaching, there is a lot happening in their context right now. And some of you might know this, but others of you may not really know this. At that time, there were four different major branches of Judaism, okay? You're probably most familiar with the Pharisees, okay? The Pharisees were the ones who were very articulate and clear and fairly strict on the rules of the Old Testament scriptures, okay? And they were known for that. And uh, the second category was the Sadducees. You hear a little bit about them in the New Testament, uh, they're, uh, they're the ones who weren't quite as strict. They were more open, more accommodating, and so on. Uh, these two groups would kind of debate with each other. They'd go back and forth, and there'd be a lot of tension between them. And uh, the Pharisees, uh, they're very strict, 
very, uh, Jesus called, uh, really kind of challenged them because they were too overbearing, putting too much burden on the people, making rules out of rules that don't exist, actually adding more of a a man-made rules on top of God's commands to us. Uh, But yet, they were also at many times very kind and compassionate in their approach as well. The Sadducees were very open and accommodating uh, and weren't as strict, but they were also a lot more rude, and they were, they would, they would, they were slanderous, and they were uh, mean in how they approached. So there's these two warring <laughs> uh, sects in the Jewish world. There's a third group of people called the Essenes, and they just said, we don't want anything to do with any of y'all. We're going to do our own thing over here. They were separatists. And so they, uh, they built their own community, and they had their own way of living, and they were fairly strict as well, uh, but they had a very loving community, uh, and, and so on. And then there was a fourth group. This fourth group were called the Zealots. The Zealots were the ones who were sick and tired of Roman oppression. They were Jews who firmly believed in, in the Scriptures, they were people who firmly believed that God, was, uh, that God uh, was their king and that there should be no Roman ruler above them. And so they rallied together, and they were known as the zealots because they were passionate with conviction, and they were riled up and filled with angst, anger. And so they, they would have rallies, they would have uh, revolts, uh, they would have, uh, they would t- by force attempt to take back control from the Romans. And these zealots even took it a step further and, and actually uh, executed individuals in, the, in quietness or maybe in the, in the darkness or maybe in a crowd. There's stories of the zealots having daggers hidden under their cloaks and going up near someone who was a prominent figure and stabbing them. So these zealots took matters into their own hands with anger and frustration. So there's these four groups of people that are are in the world, in the context of Jesus' world when he's teaching these things. And Jesus says, as part of his teaching of the kingdom, blessed are the meek, for they are the ones who will inherit the land. It's really important for us to realize He didn't say, blessed are the strict. He didn't say, blessed are the open and accommodating. He didn't say, blessed are the separatists. And he didn't say, blessed are the zealots. He said, blessed are the meek. Now, this word meek, this actually this statement, Jesus is quoting a psalm of David. Psalm 37 David says in his psalm, but the meek will inherit the land and will enjoy peace and prosperity. So I want to invite you right now. Let's look at Psalm 37. It's helpful because if Jesus is quoting this, most of the people who were really uh, Jewish, they grew up learning scriptures and learning key passages of the Old Testament scriptures. They would have known what this passage was about. So let's look at it together. Uh, I'm not going to have it on the screen, so I encourage you to open up your Bibles. Uh, Grab the Pew Bible, turn to page 799. 
And we're going to just kind of read through this together and understand a little bit of the context of what Jesus is quoting from. It's a psalm of David. David writes, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Instead, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Instead, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord, they're the ones who will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they won't be found. But the meek, and here's what Jesus quotes, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And he continues to say, the wicked, they plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw their sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their, word, their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. This Psalm of David, is he's recognizing there's so much evil in the world. We need to rise up and fight against it. Oh, but no. God is calling us to turn from those wicked ways, to not draw the sword, but to trust in the Lord, to commit our ways to him to stay steady in obedience to him. So this word meek is used in both, but it's two different words, okay? The English word meek uh, is translating in Psalm 37, the word anal, which means humble, the lowly, the afflicted, or even the poor, those who are the ones who are being oppressed, or those who are, not, who are choosing to not rise up. In Matthew chapter 5, the word that Matthew uses to translate the word that Jesus uses, Jesus speaks in another language called Aramaic, but the, the Gospel of Matthew is written in Greek. And the word that Matthew chooses to translate to the word that Jesus uses is praus, which is gentle, humble, considerate. It can refer to those who are lowly, but it also has this sense of considered gentleness to it. And in fact, the same word all throughout the New Testament is translated as gentleness or gentle or gently. Now the word meek, do you, have you ever, do you, anybody ever used the word meek in your everyday language? I doubt it. I doubt that you do. Okay, so what does this mean? What does this come from? The word meek 
uh, as an old Norse. So Norse, is that like Viking or like Norwegian, something like that? Okay, it's an old Norse word that means gentle. Okay, the gentle. We sometimes think of this as Jesus saying, blessed are the weak, for they will inherit the, the land. Blessed are the ones who are soft. Okay, we, we kind of, that's in a negative connotation. But there's so much more to this, my friends. <coughs> you see the word meek, the word gentle, as scriptures is using it, is this. Gentleness, scripturally, is power controlled. Because these people, I mean, think back. Think about the zealots that I told you about. The zealots, when they work together, they rise up with great power, with this movement. But they were, uh, they were lashing out with anger, taking matters into their own hands. Power is among the people because not only do we have power with ourselves, but we have power from God. And scripturally speaking, the power, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in our lives gives us the very power of God, but we are in management of our experience in this world. So think of this. As we go through these passages here, remember that gentleness is power controlled. Gentleness is a quality of the powerful, not the powerless. Now, the New Testament provides a variety of passages that talk about gentleness. The first one that I want to look at here is teachings of Jesus further. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Matthew 21, we see Jesus quoting Zechariah 9. As Jesus is about to go into the, the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem on uh, Palm Sunday, we sometimes call it the triumphal entry. Uh, it was very much more of a peaceful entry. Jesus says, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, not strong and mighty, but gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We see the word gentle being used uh, by the apostle Paul. If we look at this next passage, Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he says, some of you have become arrogant in your opinions, basically, as if I were not coming to you. Meaning, Paul was writing from a distance, and he started this church, and, and he went on and to another city, and they started rising up, voices started rising up with strong opinions and becoming arrogant in their, their self-understanding of, of scriptures. But Paul says, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then we'll find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they actually have. There might be a lot of talk going on, but they don't really have substance to their power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So, let me ask you this question, he says. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, meaning showing my strength, and put you in your place, or come in love and with a gentle spirit? Now, I don't know about you, but personally, I would not want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Paul. Now, he, he might be shorter than me. He probably was shorter than me quite a bit. But there's a lot of strength and power in this, in this man. 
He was inspired by the Holy Spirit, transformed by the presence of Jesus himself, filled with truth. I would not want to debate Paul. It would be completely inappropriate. And I certainly wouldn't want him to come down on me, to shame me. And so that's what Paul is asking here. Would you rather I come with a rod of discipline or come in love and with a gentle spirit and teach you gently? I would choose that one. I I, I would want him to be gentle with me. This next passage, Galatians chapter 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Don't heap shame on them. Don't make them feel worse than they already do. But be gentle with them and restore them, actively helping them, but be gentle, considerate. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And what is this life that is worthy of our calling? It is to be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Paul continues on in the next passage to uh, Colossians. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul says to Timothy, a pastor, opponents must be gently instructed. Now, let's pause on that. Paul is is acknowledging that there are people who are opposed to Timothy, who don't like what Timothy is teaching. And I looked up this word. When Paul says opponents, he's saying anyone who has hostility towards you. Have you ever experienced someone who is hostile towards you with their opinion or or maybe you're in an argument, maybe it's in your family and you start getting hostile with each other? Uh, Have you ever experienced in a church life where there's hostility towards one another? I know that in decades ago in this church that there was some of that. Uh, thankfully, we don't have that now. We've all embraced the spirit of gentleness with one another. Paul is telling Timothy, when you have someone who is acting hostil- with hostility towards you, you must gently instruct them. Not with power, not with shame, not with harshness, but be gentle. And why? In the hope that God will grant them the repentance, leading them to a knowledge. You see, it's God that we're waiting on to change the heart of those around us. It's not my job to change your heart. It's not my job to, to make you what you're not. I trust in the Lord to do that work. I'm a part of that. We're all a part of that. And notice, too, that while Paul is telling Timothy, a pastor, to do this, that actually gets applied to all of us. We believe in the priesthood of believers. We are all common disciples with Jesus. It's not, this teaching is not limited to just the office of a pastor. We must gently instruct one another. In Titus, Paul says, remind the people to subject to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle 
toward everyone. I know, I know that we have a tendency, just as human beings, to easily slander other people, don't we? We talk, we talk uh, bad things about their reputation. We, 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 uh, are t- we have a tendency to, to assume the worst of, of other people. Leaders in positions of leadership, oh, they're just being selfish. Uh, they don't really care about us. They did this, and it wasn't really true. Uh, we think it's true, but even if it is true, we're, we're really making it worse than it really is. We tend to do that. Paul is teaching Titus here to be gentle, to not slander anyone, to be considerate. And then finally, in this last passage, uh, Peter himself, who, by the way, was a zealot at one time. He was known as Simon the Zealot. And he says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why, are you, why do you have this conviction in your life? Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ that they would become ashamed of their use of slander against you. Friends, this, we are being called to live with gentleness toward one another. When I think of gentleness, I have a picture in my mind. Uh, Pastor Mike, I'm sorry, I don't... I didn't ask you if this was okay in advance, but I know we're, we're brothers, and so I, I appreciate the picture that you shared with us when you announced the birth of baby Andrew. And there was a picture. Some of you may have seen it. Um, I don't have it here, but I'll explain it to you. It was a picture of Pastor Mike holding baby Andrew in his arms, staring into Andrew's eyes, right? And Andrew was staring back. And it was a picture over the shoulder, over his right shoulder, looking down at at the baby. And it was beautiful. And to me, this is a picture, an image of gentleness. You know, when you have a baby in your hands, you have to be gentle, right? I mean, when when you let a toddler cuddle with a baby, what what are usually the first words you say? Be gentle, right? You better be gentle. <laughs> Please be gentle, right? Okay, that is a picture because there's great strength in Mike's arms. There's great power in who he is and what, and what he's able to do. The toddler who has not quite learned how to truly control and self-regulate their own strength, their own power, They're being coached and guided how to be gentle with the baby. And that is a picture of what Jesus is doing here. He's saying to us two things, a blessing and an invitation. First of all, the blessing. The blessing is this. Those of you who are meek, who are gentle, those of you who live gentle lives, You're not given to rising up with revolt, with anger, 
and expressing and going out and damaging uh, businesses in a riot, going out and vandalizing government buildings, going out and, and slewing anger and, and madness at each other. Those of you who are given to gentleness, consideration of others, moderate discussion and conversation, those of you who are willing to subject yourself to the rulers and the authorities above you, even if you don't agree with them, even if you hate them, you're willing to act with gentleness. Jesus is saying to you, keep going. You are the blessed ones. You are the meek. You are the ones who will eventually inherit the land that you're fighting so terribly hard for, the kingdom of God. You are the ones who are in the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't speak truth. That doesn't mean that you don't hold conviction and that you don't act with conviction. Jesus himself turned over tables. Jesus himself went face to face, toe to toe with those Pharisees. And he had some choice words for them, didn't he? Pretty, pretty harsh words at times. But let's just remind ourselves, the Pharisees were responsible for the spiritual nurture of God's people. And they were doing a terrible disservice with the way that they were teaching the people of God. And Jesus had to correct them very clearly. Now, that doesn't give me license to go and choose who I want to try to do, be the same with. I am being commanded to be gentle. And so what we want you to hear here today is that those of you who live gently, you are the blessed ones. Keep going. Be encouraged. Don't give up. Don't give in to the anger. Don't be distracted. Stay true and stay committed to waiting upon the Lord. But there's also an invitation. The invitation, I have four things here. I think Jesus is also inviting us to honor those who are gentle, to honor them, respect them. Don't, don't dismiss them as being weak. They're actually being strong. It takes a lot of strength to restrain yourself, emotional strength to rest be restrained. So honor those who are gentle. The second invitation is to learn from those who are gentle. Learn from them. They are our models. They are the ones that we look to, to learn from, to be discipled by. They have a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God than we do. So think about for a moment, is there anyone in this church, or maybe in your life, that really exemplifies gentleness in their approach to uh, tension, to conflict, anyone who has really modeled a gentle way. Maybe instead of coming out to you with anger, they, they come at you from, from the side and say, hey, I've noticed this. I'd like to talk about that. How do you feel about this? Can, we help, can you help me understand what's going on? Okay, so here's where I'm coming from. Right? That's gentleness. Just getting mad and start telling you what their opinion is, that's not gentleness, right? Okay. So who are those people that you know that are being gentle? 
Look to them. Learn from them. Number three, practice gentleness in your life with others. Okay, so today's Father's Day, right? Fathers, it is vital that you practice gentleness with your children. You are the adult. You are the strong one. You are the one that has gone through all the experiences, right? And so approaching your children with unregulated emotion is damaging. You must practice. Now, again, this is practice. So we're not here to shame you in any way. But practicing is that you try it again. When you, when you mess up, you admit that you messed it up, you, and you ask for forgiveness, and then you try it again. So practice gentleness with your children. Spouses, sometimes we get so comfortable with each other that we just go head-to-head with each other, right? We tend to just cut loose on all the restraints and we just let our words fly. My friends, we need to be gentle with one another, with our spouses. So, is there a way in which that you need to change how you talk with your spouse? to be gentler. Let's be gentle with one another in the church, especially in the church, right? If you have uh, something that you don't agree with, you don't like, if someone's in sin, approach every conversation with consideration of the other person's perspective, asking questions, help me understand. I've noticed this, but but I don't understand this. Can we talk about it? How about practicing gentleness in our political world? There is a better way, and it's the Jesus way. And if we really trust Jesus, Jesus is serious when he says, blessed are the meek, the humble, the gentle. If we trust him, then we must be obedient and seek that gentler way with one another. Fourth, you have to be gentle with yourself. Now, some of us are really gentle with others, but we are harshest with ourselves. We say words to ourselves, we have expectations about ourselves, and we are constantly disappointing ourselves or feel like we're constantly disappointing God. My friends, God has nothing but great love and compassion for you and grace for you. Embrace that same for yourself. If you are being harsh with your own self, it's okay to let that go. It's okay to not be perfect. You're not called to be perfect. You're called to to be your best in whatever you, do your best in whatever situation you are with God's help. Be gentle with yourself as well. Friends, when we really believe Jesus, when we really embrace what it means to be, to honor the meek, that the meek are blessed, and that we are invited into that meekness, into that gentleness, that's when we see the kingdom of God really come alive in this world. May we be the people who see the kingdom come with gentleness.